basically going through a series called Disciples and we're looking at um, eight different aspects of what it looks like to follow Jesus as a disciple. Uh, Last week Jonathan looked at what it is to be an incarnational disciple and by that he was talking about embodiment and so how we're kind of basically embodying Jesus and that's not something we do individually as disciples but that's something that's done as a community um, and that actually the whole community represents a body. Um, We also see that in Corinthians uh, which was a verse that we could have looked at last week. And so one of the things we're going to be looking at today is that it's life-on-life discipleship. So we're going to look at um, five different verses. I'll get you guys to look at one on each table. um, And then we're going to just get you to talk about it for a little bit. Um, What does it it say? What does it say about community? What does it say about discipleship? What does it say about following Jesus? And then we're just going to get a little bit of feedback and then I'm just going to teach into some of those, um, if that's right. So first table over here. Um, Can I give you... um, can you look at Matthew 4, 18 to 22? Matthew 4, 18 to 22. Next group, can you look at Acts 4, 13? It's a nice short one. Um, next table over here, can you look at Hebrews 10? Um, someone make a note of it for me, I don't want to... Hebrews 10. Yeah, 24 to 25. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Um, and then can you guys look at Matthew 18 to 20? No, sorry, Matthew 18, 20. That would be a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's only like one verse. Okay, and so on your tables, just I'm going to give you about five minutes. Just want you to look at what it says. Um, what does it say about being a disciple? What does it say about following Jesus? Um, none of them, I'm not looking for deep and profound answers. This is very, very superficial. The verse tells you what it is, basically. Um, but have a little conversation around it on your table. What does it mean to you? Those sort of questions. Um, and then one of you on the table, be prepared just to summarise some of what you talked about. So not read the verses out, but just summarise what, what you talked about. Is that all right? Brilliant. Okay, you're finished on your tables. Right, okay. So we're going to start... With them, well, we'll probably do them in order. So we'll start with this table over here. Um, who's summarising over here? Natalie's table. Jonathan. Okay, so everyone nice and... If we can all be listening to Jonathan, yeah, that would be really helpful. Cheers, Teresa. Okay, let's go for it. Uh, so our, uh, our story was um, Jesus calling uh, Peter and Andrew and um, the fisherman. So basically, it summarises... Um, they dropped what they were doing instantly um, to follow Jesus. So my summary from that was that having full confidence when God calls you and God what you do, even if you have doubts, God has a plan for us and we should follow that's great so that's the, the uh, Jesus is walking along right at the start of his ministry there's a bunch of fishermen he goes up to them and what does he do? he so calls them to follow him um, it's, it's not just one he doesn't say just you it's just you and me he calls a bunch of fishermen and they all follow him um, and so he's calling them into community with him and then the next three years what that looks like is basically that, that group of people grows and grows and grows there's other people that start to follow uh, there are all sorts of people tax collectors prostitutes all sorts of people that you wouldn't expect like the, like the Messiah the great king of the, the Jewish people to be hanging around with but he's, he's starting to call a community towards him and around him he's not calling individuals um, but he's recognising particularly with these guys he says they're already fishermen and he calls out of them what they're already doing and says I'm going to make you fishers of men and so it's kind of like oh look there's there's something that we already get we get out of you know there are certain times and ways of fishing to get fish certain ways of 
um, I don't know, certain practices that you have to follow. Um, and then he says to them, what you've already learned, effectively, I'm going to take that and I'm going to make the purpose of that even greater. You're now going to... So he doesn't kind of rubbish their pre-existing experience of life. He actually takes it and makes use of that for kingdom purposes. Um, I think for us, as a community of people, there's a few little things we can draw out of that. Firstly, Jesus isn't calling us as individuals. He's calling us together as a community that we would journey with him very closely and intimately, that we'd learn his ways. Um, and that as we follow him, he, he actually calls us to take what we've already learned and experienced in life and he's going to repurpose that for kingdom purposes. Um, and so it's not like you've got to jettison every experience you've had as something that's unhelpful or anti-kingdom, but actually God wants to take that and use it for his purposes. The things that you're passionate about, you might be great at networking, you might be, I don't know, really good at relationally, you might be great at listening to people, hearing them talk and pour their heart out to you. God wants to use that for kingdom purposes. For these guys, they knew how to fish. Um, you think, well, what, what's God got going to do with that skill is going to take them to fish for men which is exciting and actually you'd say that's probably the greatest thing was actually if we were saying you, you probably wouldn't be looking for people that can fish do you know what I mean like why is Jesus calling the first people to him as fishermen he's, look, he's looking for something that's going to serve great kingdom purposes uh, the next one was you guys at the back um, what did you have you had Acts 4.13 yeah yeah go for it yeah saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled with ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Um, so to summarise, what we were basically saying is that um, there were a lot of people who were looking at... Oh, yeah, there were a lot of people who were looking at <clears throat> Peter and John thinking, wow, like, how these guys um, got so much courage... Um, even though they were just sort of unschooled, ordinary um, men, but they had the courage because they were, like, within Jesus and they were sort of following him. So it kind of doesn't matter of about the ranking or, you know, the status of yourself, but, you know, having the courage to follow Jesus and being able to be someone who kind of just, like, follows his word um, is something so powerful that, you know, transcends uh, any sort of ranking, hierarchical status, etc. So we kind of were saying that that's like what it is to be like a disciple of um, Jesus. That's awesome. And so, if, if I'm sure we all kind of got that. So what, I found like last week I was at Faversham. I wasn't here. Um, I was at Faversham sharing, and I shared some of my testimony. Out, I basically burnt out, drink, drugs, suicidal, um, complete train wreck. And it's comical that kind of God's got me doing what I'm doing now. I couldn't even leave myself. Now I've got the privilege of kind of trying to lead some people here. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. As kids came out all dressed up, yeah, yeah. A few little awkward moments, um, but it's that the transformative effect of hanging out with Jesus is as Jesus calls people to him, in this first one, he's calling people to him that are just ordinary, normal people. He's calling people that are broken, that have been ostracised by society. Um, when he's calling tax collectors and prostitutes, people who would have been not just on the fringe of society, but excluded from it. Um, but as they've been hanging around with Jesus, people look at these people and they say, the last thing is that they noted that they've been with Jesus. It's like normal, unschooled, uneducated people that were like had the potential within them to change nations because they'd just been hanging out with Jesus. And so when Jesus calls us to hang out with him, 
the transformative effect isn't, I would argue, isn't just being, it's me and Jesus. I'm going to lock myself in my cupboard. It's just me and Jesus. It's just all about me and Jesus. The transformative effect is that Jesus is calling together every tribe, every nation, every tongue to hang out with him. And the transformation happens within community. You look at the Trinity, there's this perfect community. If I get these seats to demonstrate the Trinity... We could think of the Trinity as a perfect community of Father, Son and Spirit, all turned inwards, all just enjoying one another perfectly. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father and sends the Spirit. The Spirit points to Jesus and Jesus is honouring the Father. There's this perfect interweaving relationship going on with them all the time. And then when Jesus was sent as the incarnation, the embodiment of that Trinity, actually what happened is that Trinity turned outwards facing the world, and I'd argue it had always been like this, and so we're now invited into this perfect community. Each of us are invited, like fishermen called, to participate in this perfect interweaving of Father, Son and Spirit. And as we enter into that Trinitarian life, we're changed, we're transformed. And as we invite others in, we don't do so like, oh, it's just you and these guys, it's actually come and join us. We are on a journey with God, come and join us. Come and join our community. Come and join what God's doing, not just in hope, but across the nations through every church, every denomination, every stream, every little Christian house group. We're all participating in this Trinitarian life. And so in Revelation 21, when we see all of the disciples gathered in like the great banquet feast, there's every tribe, every nation, every tongue, like a multitude people can't describe... We're all participating, it's all heading to that point. We're all pulling up our table to join this table. We're all pulling up another leaf, another, another seat at the table so that we can all participate in this. That's super, super exciting for me. I think that's great. And what I'm trying to push against is, so it's life on life. We're not, we're not called individually to follow Jesus. We are, of course, we've got our own lives to lead, but we're called into community with one another, with Jesus, with the Trinitarian community. The community already exists. As soon as you follow Jesus, you're entering into community, Father, Son and Spirit. And right in the epicentre of that place, transformation occurs. And so our job is to always try and enter right into the thick of what God's doing in the world because it's in that place, right in the heartbeat of God, where change and transformation happens. And people will look at us and say, they're like ordinary people that are doing extraordinary things. There's no other explanation other than they've just been hanging out with Jesus. People notice when you've been hanging out with Jesus. Like, we notice when people aren't here. We miss, we miss people. Um, so I'm not saying this is like, oh, we've got to all be at everything. But, like, if I'm not here every week, you're going to notice it. If Teresa's not here, sometimes we're, we're going to notice it. You know, like, and so, because the community misses a part of itself. It's like when in 1 Corinthians where the body's talked about the church is talked about as a body and there's a hand and an arm and a finger and a toe. If any of those bits are missing, if, if I was missing my arm, you'd notice it. I'd notice it. I, 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 I would be hindered by that fact. And so Jesus is calling us continually to connect and to relate, not only with him in our quiet time, which is very, very important, but also together communally because that's where change and transformation happens. Right, the next group. What verse did you have? Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Brilliant. And let's let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And um, we were saying it's not like a legal thing, or 
not neglecting to meet each other, but it's a good thing to come together because you experience God in a more fuller way when you're all together mm. than on your own. And when you come together, it does stir you up and encourage you. Someone could just say, an off-the-cuff, just something really basic, like Jesus died on the cross to forgive us all our sins, and you think, yeah, why am I feeling so condemned? It's, it's, not, it's not of God. So, and I, we were saying, coming together, you worship more fully, you pray. I pray a lot better when I'm with a load of Christians, and it just encourages all. Um, yeah, that's the gist of it. Brilliant. That's good. So the, the, the verse there, the encouragement is to not give up meeting. And so um, read this really sad post the other day of uh, quite a well-known pastor called Joshua Harris, um, who's kind of basically now defining whatever the markers are I have historically of a Christian. I'm no longer a Christian. This is like a massive um, like a name in America. Be, be, you know, kind of be like... Um, Someone from Hillsong, like one of the guys like Lentz or, um, or Houston, one of those guys falling away from faith. Um, and so the real challenge is as soon as we start to disconnect from community, we miss the grace that is there. One of the markers in that is about encouragement. As we gather together, it's got to be about encouragement. We've got to be speaking well of one another. We've got to be speaking well of situations. We need to be bringing hope into like challenges and situations like texting Jane. We've been sort of encouraging one another about frustrations around house moves and stuff like that. Like Jane's house has been on a few, couple of months now, probably. Uh, yeah, Nearly five weeks now. Okay, so about five weeks. Ours has only been on probably about ten days, but it feels like it's been on ten months. <laughs> I'm so impatient. I'm like, come on, we need to sell the house. Let's just give it away so we can get some. We can't, we can't do that. But, but the whole thing of encouragement. So like, just, like, I know Jane's in a similar season of life. We've been texting one another. How's it going? We're praying for this, praying for that. That's great. And I think within community, it's that whole thing of being known and knowing one another so that we can actually speak and reach into one another's lives and we can actually offer hope and encouragement rather than condemnation or like, oh, you're not meeting the mark there or this isn't good enough. Or, but actually, it's about the building up of one another. Um, and actually, the way that we do that in a technological age, it's great because we can FaceTime, we can WhatsApp and we can keep that connection. But if we ne- neglect literally like embodiment, like the physical reality of presencing yourself with other people so that you can see what's going on in their life so that you can like hear what's hear in their voice like if I see a whatsapp message and someone says I don't know their dog's just died yeah I'm going to feel it if I'm sat opposite them um, and they're telling me that um, man I'm going to feel the emotion of that I'm going to empathise with them I'm going to be able to relate to them I can literally embody Jesus to them in that moment um, if I'm just on whatsapp oh I'll pray for you well there's, of course there's a grace in that but if that's all we ever experience because we're disconnecting we're missing actually that sacramental grace of embodiment of being with one another and loving one another life on life um, it says iron sharpens iron for, for that to happen there's like literally like a, a presence in the, a, a friction that goes on and that can only really happen, happen in community as we gather together we kind of build and work with one another to strengthen one another encourage one another sharpen one another so that when we then scatter back out into the world and go on with our daily lives we're all the better for it rather than just being all disconnected and kind of like sat behind our screens. Yeah, I love you, guy. I'm praying for you. See you later. Um, and that's all it ever is. You know, if that's all it ever is, we're going to miss out big time. Uh, we'll miss out big time. We, we get the grace from what we engage with. 
Um, and so there's an ever-increasing grace. The, the challenge is we could go completely to one extreme and it becomes completely rigid and driven, um, almost like, right, we've all got, right, we're going to buy this building and we're going to put bunk beds in here and we're all going to live together. How does that sound? Like the perfect Christian community. Um, I've seen some, there are some communities that actually work really well like that. Um, there are some that when they do that, it just goes really bad. And then some of the people in authority maybe overexert that authority and then you end up with a very unhealthy community that ends up becoming a cult. And so what we're looking for is let's relate, let's connect, let's commune together um, without it being a sense of drivenness or you're very naughty people because you didn't come to my Wednesday night meeting. Do you know what I mean? And then everyone feels ostracised because you're not participating. We're not aiming for that. But, but actually looking in the Bible, there's like a grace that comes as we meet together and gather together and we're not to give up on doing that because it's really, really important and it's actually transformative. Um, the next one. Go for it. Who's doing it? And um, thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got um, just a single verse from Matthew uh, 18, verse 20. It says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So we were talking about how, obviously, that's quite often just said in a singular capacity. You know, it's so good, isn't it, where two or three are gathered? Um, but actually, in the context of if your brother sins against you, it's good to kind of obviously try and get through things, you know, one-to-one. Um, but also it's better when you've got community of people that love you both, perhaps, and you try and get things through together. Anything more to add to that? So, yeah, community. It's, it's sometimes good in a, a social sense, but it's also sometimes needed in a, you know, for community to continue in a good way. Mm. That's great. And so, yeah, particularly, we've already kind of fleshed that one out a little bit in the last one, but the whole thing of uh, when, so we're not to neglect meeting, uh, because when we do meet, Jesus is right there in the middle of it. And so it's almost like we were talking here about this perfect relationship, this perfect community. As soon as we gather two or three, um, it's like the Trinitarian life is like made manifest. Jesus is literally there in and amongst you, ministering, working, working in hearts, bringing encouragement. We start to flesh out the body as two or three or more gather together. It's like Jesus is literally being embodied in that place. And as long as people are submitting themselves to the word and to prayer, then there's going to be a real sense of kingdom wisdom coming through as people hit situations and challenges, as people need encouragement about being sent to other nations or other places. Um, There's a real sense that Jesus is right in the midst of that community doing that stuff. Um, The last verse that I wanted to look at, I'll just share this one, um, is this one. It was in Acts 2, uh, where it says about, you know, there's the great kind of Pentecostal situation, the Holy Spirit poured out on on the disciples, they go out into the town, and it says after that, they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, um, and then it goes on about some other bits and pieces, um, and then in Acts 2, verse 44, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And then verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So there's this real sense that there's all these nations gathered together in Jerusalem. Um, There's like a big festival there. They've, They've all gathered together. And then after this moment where the Spirit's poured out and they all start to hear the gospel, after that, they give themselves to one another. So they've not only given themselves to Jesus... They're now meeting together, in, basically in church. They're going to church every day, and they're meeting together to eat every day. 
um, and they're glad and they've got thankful hearts. Um, there's a famine going on there, so that would explain partly kind of what's going on um, in regard to some of the necessity of living communal life. They're sharing resources with one another because there's a need to, because some people have travelled halfway across the country and they've not got enough resources, they're going to die. Um, but there's this real sense of this community is giving themselves not only to God in devotion, in fellowship um, and prayer, but actually to one another in meeting together. And so I just really want to encourage you, particularly over the summer, but ongoing. Like we, we've not got a, um, we've really stripped things back just because people are on holiday and stuff like that. But on Wednesday night, we've not got a small group or anything like that. Please don't think, I'll just have the week off. Look for opportunities to meet up. I was so encouraged when a load of the ladies met up. Um, you had like an afternoon tea or something, didn't you? And just there was a, a message that went out and just loads of people just got, got together to meet. Those that didn't have jobs uh, or, or evade. Well, that was more when things. Like, Am I the only person in the church that works? Um, I could, yeah, only lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Really <laughs> well, they're all having an afternoon tea. Yeah, but just to encourage you, like there were so many opportunities. Like the other day, I met on the train with Adam, went up to London with him. It's an opportunity to connect. Like we can't all necessarily do that, but Jonathan travels up to London as well, so there'll be opportunities to to make more of that. Some people live very geographically quite close, so I know like Jane and Jitta, you meet up quite regularly. Like you, uh, the, the Butsons just live right around the corner from us, so we meet up together quite regularly now. Or I bump into them when they're walking around and I'm going for a run and we stop and say hello and I give them a sweaty cuddle they're, they're but be intentional in reaching out to one another don't just default because it, it's so easy we, like Adam and I were talking about this it's so easy for us we've, we've, we're gathering 20 odd people now um, and it would be very easy just for us to default to well I'll come on a Sunday I'll do the Sunday thing and then I'll go about my week and that'll be it maybe I'll get along to a small group maybe if we start a course like Alpha or I might try and go to that but, but we end up with discipleship then looks like events it looks like programs it looks like courses it doesn't look like a way of life and, and these verses are an encouragement I'm not making it up it's in the word the, these verses are, are saying that discipleship happens in community it's not an event like I did my discipleship back then when I did a three week course you know just after I became you know and it was on baptism I've, I'm now a disciple I've done discipleship discipleship is a lifelong process that's outworked in community and we're forever being changed and transformed more into the image of this perfect community our community as we all gather closer and closer and closer into this perfect community becomes more and more like that community the more we detach from it and the more we don't connect with it the less like it we become that's the truth of it there's a transformative effect that happens within this community um, obviously the lives that we live the, you know like in a modern society we can't you know geographically um, and at work we can't be together every living moment but there are these contact points I love technology for that that we can literally like we can keep in touch I can text Jane when she's in Bournemouth and say oh, how's it going on now yeah she's great um, but I would be encouraging Jane Jane don't give up meeting with people find people there and then because you need to be embodied and presenced in community in that place um, and that's kind of the encouragement to all of us is for that. I, I just want to use one little image as I wrap up. Um, imagine going to the gym. Um, I, I imagine going to the gym. I don't go to the gym anywhere <laughs> near enough. Um, but imagine going to the gym. And, uh, and just imagine, for, for say, that this is like a very, very heavy weight. And if I was to pick this weight up... Oh, Every week, ah, I won't listen to her myself, <laughs> my, my, my gym belly. Um, but, but if I was to do that seven days a week, what would the benefit be to me? 
I would look like I, I, I would look like Arnold, not that Arnold, but but, but Arnold. I would, uh, yeah. No. Well, that actually look. Arnold, Arnold has got some guns. Yeah. So, so, but no, you're, like genuinely, like bodybuilders, that's what they do, isn't it? They give themselves to a way of life that has certain outcomes and benefits. And so, if a bodybuilder only goes for for, for one minute a day. Um, or, or even one minute a week and just, there oh, we go, and that's it. The transformative effect over a year, two years, three years is going to be negligent. If anything, you're not going to notice it. Whereas if you give yourself to that practice day after day after day after day, um, you're going to start to reap the benefits of that. For the disciples, Jesus called them, we heard that in the first verse, he calls them to follow him. Three years later, he's able to literally like lay his life down so that they can then kick on and change the, the world. That would not have happened if they didn't follow him. If they didn't follow him, they would have had nothing to give. There'd be nothing in them. But they'd given themselves to a way of life. Literally, they left everything that they knew to follow him. There's a huge cost in that. There's a huge cost. So there are some here in this room who've literally left churches. They've, they've moved. They've given up a lot to be a part of this community. There's been huge sacrifice in that. We, we, we literally like have given up our, our way of life from you know, a year ago. It looks radically different now. All the friendships, support networks we've got, like, we don't see people anymore because we've had to give ourselves wholeheartedly to a way of life um, because we believe in it and we believe it's transformative. And that's what Jesus has called us to, much like he called those fishermen. Now, imagine... I'm not going to the gym, but I'm, I'm connecting with this community. Imagine this community is now the gym. And so if I come once a month, there is a transformative grace in me connecting in from that. I get to know people a bit. I get to hear about Jesus. I get to change and transform. But then the transformative effect, if I'm able in some way to give myself a bit more to that community, if I was to be able to give myself a bit more, I'm just going to start texting someone. I'm just going to make a phone call to that person maybe once a week. I'm just going to make an effort to maybe meet up with that person for a coffee. I'm, and I'm not saying like, let's all get together all the time, but there's a transformative effect that happens when we're gathering together around Jesus because where two or three gather, there he is in the midst. And so there's this real encouragement for us as we get to this next stage is not to settle for settlements. That's one of the things I believe in is that we're, we're not just like, right, we've established a Sunday, we've established a small group, we've planted a church, yay, on to the next one. And that's all we do. We just birth a Sunday and we birth a midweek community. We could do that. A lot of churches do that. But when I look at the New Testament, I am convinced, like wholeheartedly convinced, and I'm really trying to wholeheartedly convince you that it's all about community. Now, that community doesn't look like us all living in each other's pockets and it all getting very weird and wacky and, and a bit concerning. But it, what it looks like is our hearts being connected to one another even when we're separate. It looks like us making phone calls. It looks like us really trying to get to know new people. It looks like us really trying to love one another and know one another well enough that when things go a bit wonky in our life, like we, I loved it a couple of weeks ago. Some of you wouldn't know. Me and Natalie had an argument on the way in the car. It was like one of them things where it comes out of nowhere and then we literally had to go for a walk just to sort it out because, like, man, I feel like such a fraud to, um, to you know, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we won't go into the specifics, but yeah, there was a there, 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 there was there was an ejecting out of a moving car that happened, um, and um, and it was very concerning. Um, but the great thing was Jonathan and Teresa arrived, and like I met Natalie and realised things we needed a bit of help, and so they offered to look after our kids quickly so we could go and have a walk. And we had a chat, we tried to sort things out, and we managed to get there eventually after maybe a few days, I can't remember, a couple of days, maybe a few hours, but we sorted it all out. Um, 
But, but that is what life on life looks like. It looks like people clearly seeing that we're having a bit of a struggle. We've got a bit stuck. There's the pressure of, right, now we've got to do, do an event or whatever. You know, we've got to make the Sunday happen, haven't we? We've got to get the show on the road. You know, like, who's going to lead the worship? You know, all, all that. You feel the pressure of it. And you're like, man, my heart's not right at the moment. You know, like, I've, yeah, there's, there's things not right. And we're trying to sort out... But that's how community works. It's like we, we cover one another's backs. We're not like, oh, those people are unholy. Huh? You get there's a fire exit there. Gordon and Natalie, off you go back to Midway. Like we want we want holy people that never argue. That's what we want in this community. And and so hopefully some of you have had an argument at some point in your life, and we're not the only ones. Um, but it's knowing one another well enough that we're in one another's orbit through one mechanism or another. Whether it's your phone, whether it's you live near one another, whether it's you're just going to try and reach out to people who maybe bit more on the fringe. There are some people in this community who, who maybe don't have partners, um, who maybe live right on the periphery of Sittingbourne, who find it very, very difficult to connect with some of the stuff that we do. Um, and that means all of us, not just me, not just Natalie, not just Jonathan and Teresa, it means all of us trying to reach out to those people and be friends to them and love them, even if they're self, like, I, I guess, like choosing not to connect in. It's like we're just trying to say, look, just come and meet, come and meet. Not because we're trying to time into something, but because we believe as they get closer to the Trinitarian community, their lives will be changed for the better. So can we just pray about that? Is that all right? I could go on more, but I probably don't need to. Um, so we'll just pray on our tables. Maybe just take a couple of minutes. Um, maybe ask one another, what are the challenges for you in this way of life? Because for all of us, it's hard, isn't it? There's a sacrifice like for those fishermen, there was a sacrifice. Um, there's a sense of commitment. We might have been damaged from relationships. It's hard to commit. So just ask those questions. Trust one another and pray for Jesus to kind of be on the table with you to help you. That would be great.